Today, I'm going to share a message with you uh, that's been on my heart for a while. In fact, um, many years ago, um, Desert and I were pastoring our first church, and uh, there was a, a church down the road, probably about 30 minutes or so from where our church was, and uh, quite, uh, quite influential church in our city. We were in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and a pastor there that I really admired, um, and he wrote a book. I can't remember the name of the book, but in the book, he talked about the concept of, uh, of what God had taught him as a father and the responsibility of being a father and one of his responsibilities as a father was to take and to, and to live his life placing his children on his shoulders. And uh, that, that statement, that simple statement that I'd heard him talk about and even some of his adult kids talk about, uh, really made such an impression on my life. And it, and it changed uh, how I parented. It changed my, uh, a lot about how I lived my life and how I went about uh, living my life and thinking about my assignment and my responsibility um, as a father to to lift my children up on my shoulders, to really think in terms of what it would mean to bless and to be a blessing uh, to my children. And this morning as we're in the season of time in just a few days when our kids are going to be starting school, um, I wanted to... I wanted to talk about what it looks like for us to put our kids on our shoulders, what it would look like for us to think about the generations that come after us and how we're to be a blessing to them and how we're to speak blessing over them. A lot of times we want blessing, but we don't understand that, that God has blessed us so that we might be a blessing to others. You know, Pastor Ben mentioned it's more blessed to give than to receive. That, that concept actually is laced throughout all of Scripture. In fact, when God called Israel and he made them his own, when he, he called them as a, as a group of people and he made them uh, his children, what he said about them is, I'm going to bless you, but I'm going to bless you so that you would be a blessing to the nations. It wasn't just so that they could hoard it up for themselves. Uh, when he called them, when he elected them, he blessed them and he said, I'm going to make you a nation of priests so that you might be a blessing to the nations. Of course, as you read and study your Bible, you find that, uh, that the people of Israel uh, didn't, didn't obey the Lord and they didn't become a nation of priests. And so in exchange for them becoming a nation of priests, ultimately they worshiped idols and they worshiped false gods and and, uh, and so then Aaron and uh, he, the Levites were chosen to be priests among the people because the people had failed to become priests. And so a part of the entire reconciliation process uh, that we see in Scripture and the part of redemption and a part of uh, the, the, ult the ultimate reality of us becoming the seed of Abraham, a part of that is a restoration of the idea and the concept that we are to be a nation of priests that we all share in the priesthood, that we all are called to be people who are not just blessed, but people who are a blessing. Peter talked about this a little bit in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 4 through 10 to you. It says this, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house 
to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Now, listen, there is so much theology packed into this, uh, this concept, this, this passage that we're reading uh, in this letter from Peter. And I don't, I don't really have time to unpack everything that is going on there. I'd encourage you, during your daily 20 this week, if you're looking, hey, Pastor Randy, where do I start? I'd encourage you, read, read 1 and 2 Peter this week during your daily 20 and just kind of begin to observe some of the things that Peter's writing to the church. And there are many concepts that are there, but one that I want you to see very clearly today is that Peter is, is making sure that the, the church understands that that Abrahamic promise, that that covenant that was made with Abraham, that God was going to bless and create a people that, that would be his own people and that they would be a blessing to the earth, that, that that promise now exists for all believers who are a part of this church. And in, in this new identity that they have in Christ Jesus, uh, Peter talks about overcoming sin and breaking the patterns of sin in our life and this new identity that we have. And in talking about this new identity, Peter wants to make it very clear. Because of the work of Christ in our lives, we now become like Christ in that he was this, he was this stable cornerstone upon which the kingdom was to be built on the earth. We now share in that stability and in that multiplication of the glory of God on the earth. Peter says, listen, you, you as children of God, as people who have, who have embraced Christ as Lord and your Savior, you now share in this, in this calling to be a people who are a priesthood. And what it meant to be a priesthood was that, of course, you would mediate between God and man and you would reveal God to man. And Peter's saying, listen, now we all, we all share in this identity. We all share in this reality of being those who are not just blessed, but that are also to declare blessing over others. As I mentioned to you earlier, I learned this principle many years ago in relation to my family and my children and my responsibility. And when I learned this, I was, I was a younger man at the time. And, and I remember I was in a season of my life uh, starting doing ministry. It was very, uh, very aggressive, very driven uh, by the things that I felt like I was supposed to do. And um, I, I don't want to pretend as though like I was in sin or anything like that, or I was uh, really at a bad place. But, but as I look back on the season of my life, my life at that time was 
really a lot about me as a man kind of discovering who I was and and I, I had these things that I felt like I was supposed to do with my life and I was really ambitious toward those things and and uh, and I feel like during that season of my life it was very easy for me to make choices and decisions and think about building my platform and think about uh, building and do, accomplishing the things that I wanted to accomplish and and when I learned this concept or principle it began to it began to challenge me uh, as, as, a, as a father, but also as a follower of Jesus, to think about how I thought about my life. I was really thinking about God bless me, help me to become strong, help, help me to walk in, in, in your blessing so that I can do these things and accomplish these things. And the more I began to think about it, and the more I uh, began to meditate on it, the more I realized that so much of what I was trying to do was really about proving myself. It was really about me accomplishing the things that I wanted to accomplish or that I felt like I should accomplish or had the right to accomplish. And what the Lord began to show me was that uh, these, these offspring that I had, now I had a responsibility uh, to, to begin to think about not, not what I was building for myself, but, but how I could become the kind of person, the kind of father upon which their lives could be built. And what if I started thinking about my life differently? Instead of thinking about my life, about what I could build and what I could accomplish, what if I started thinking about my life in terms of legacy? And what if I started thinking about my life instead of being the pinnacle of success, what if I became the foundation upon which my children and my children's children could build their lives? Anybody besides me ever... Like all of the, it, it just became different. All of a sudden, my goals became different. The way I, I looked at um, my obligations, the way I looked at my finances, the way I began to read the word of God, the way I began to, the way I was praying changed. Now all of a sudden, my prayers weren't about what I would accomplish and what I would do, but God, what if you help me to become the kind of father uh, that, that, demonstrates a model of consistency and strength in the lives of my children so they don't deal with perhaps some of the angst and they don't deal with perhaps some of the issues that I dealt with because their life is built on a different foundation. And as I began to think about that and I started looking at things like what Peter said about how Christ builds our life differently and and how when I become a follower of Jesus Christ, all of a sudden I join into this foundation building work. And my motivation begins to change. And yes, I'm blessed, but I'm blessed so that I could be a blessing. Now all of a sudden it's not about me being, me being uh, the, the one who is receiving, but, but now it's the, I'm the one who's giving. And, and, and I started praying a prayer at that time in my life. And the prayer that I be, began to pray was, God, as my children get older and as they come into their season of life and they move towards uh, what you have for them, Lord, may my life and what I do and what I accomplish and who I am, may it not be lived in such a way that it casts a shadow over their life that they never escape. Because the truth is, if we were to be honest this, this morning in this room, and we were to think about perhaps the people who've come before us in our life, perhaps parents, perhaps grandparents, perhaps bosses or pastors or leaders. 
And we think about those people and we think about their effect on our lives. Most of us, or many of us, I should say, when we talk about it or when we think about it, we think of it in terms of the shadow that it's cast over our life instead of the shoulders upon which we've built our lives. And I begin to pray this simple prayer. God, let my life, let who I become, let who I am, let what I speak and what I do in my children's life become shoulders upon which they can build their lives instead of a shadow that's going to affect them every day of their life. And I begin to realize the choices, the decisions, the way I pray, the way I think, the way I worship, everything that I do, it's either, it's either creating shadows or creating shoulders in my kids' lives. I believe that's true not just about my kids. I believe it's true about everybody that I come in contact with. I, I'm making a choice. I'm making a decision. I'm either, I'm either going to cooperate, participate in the shadows in their life, or I'm going to cooperate and participate in the shoulders in their life. I'm either going to be a part of the curse. I'm going to be a part of the blessing. I'm going to be a part of what reveals or accentuates the darkness in their life, or I'm going to be a part of what reveals or accentuates the light, the glory of the kingdom. In their life. And I believe what Peter was saying as he was challenging the church to live in holiness and righteousness, and he stops right in the middle of it and he talks about how we participate in the character and nature of Christ and exactly what Christ does in us. I believe he's calling all of us to be shoulders and not shadow producers in people's lives. I believe that God has called us to be people who join into the priesthood of the kingdom that says, I will speak glory. I will speak life. I will speak blessing. I'll be a part of extending the kingdom. You see, I believe the power of Christ moves us from shadows to shoulders. It moves us from sin and brokenness to life and glory. Christ moves us to the, from the place where we are lost to the place where we have found. And I believe that then we participate with Christ in that same work on the earth. We move from a place in which we are participating in the enemy's work, in the enemy's work of heaping death and condemnation and brokenness and lies. And instead, like Peter, like Peter called us to, we're participating in strength and life and foundational work in people's lives. I, I want to read this blessing, and you probably have heard it before. It's found in Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 through 26. It says this. It says, the Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. What we find in Numbers is, of course, um, instruction that's coming to the people of Israel about how the priesthood is going to operate and how they're going to worship. And, um, and in Numbers chapter 6, when you read Numbers chapter 6, the first Part of the chapter is about, uh, about a Nazarite vow and how to execute a Nazarite vow. And it's very, very interesting because a Nazarite vow was a season in which a person would take in their life, uh, in most cases from what we understand, it would be the minimum of a year. Sometimes it could go on for many, many years. Uh, but it was a special vow that anyone could take. You didn't have to be a priest. Anyone could take it. And you would set aside a certain time in your life. And and Numbers chapter 6 outlines the particular rules about a Nazarite vow. And after this section on the Nazarite vow, uh, then the Lord 
says to Moses, okay, now I want you to give you this instruction because this is how the priests are to bless all of the people. Now, I don't, I don't know if it's coincidental or not, but I found it fascinating that this particular blessing was given after this section on the Nazarite vow because basically God was saying, okay, here's the Nazarite vow, and yes, that's wonderful and that good, that's good, but, but for all the people, for all the people, here's how the priests are to bless all of the people, not just the super spiritual Nazarite people, but all the people. So basically what would happen is if you were to come and you were to bring an offering to the Lord, uh, after you would, offer, you would offer that offering, you would bring that offering. The priest would take that offering. They would take it in before the Lord and they would offer that altar offering to the Lord. You weren't able to do that because you weren't a priest. You weren't holy. You weren't righteous. And these priests had been prepared. They had already offered an offering for themselves. They had been cleansed. And now because they had been cleansed, they were able to go on your behalf and to offer this offering. So you would initiate the offering to God. The offering would be taken in before the Lord by the priest. And after the offering was offered to the Lord, the priest would go speak to God on your behalf, and then the priest would return after they offered the offering, and then they would come back to you with the response of God to your offering. And this is what they would say. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. You may say, Pastor Andy, why are, you, why are you reading this to us? Well, I'm reading this to you for two reasons. I'm reading this to you, number one, because you need to understand what we have in the work of Christ is that Christ paid this price for us. The Bible says that once and for all, he offered the offering, that all of those offerings that had been offered up until that point in history could never satisfy. Jesus did that work for us. And when Jesus did that work for us in the same way, in the same way that the priest would come with a response and say, the sin offering has been offered and God's response to the sin offering is this, that he's going to bless you and that he's going to keep you and that his face is going to shine on you, that that work was done once and for all in Christ. But second level meaning is this, in the same way that those priests would offer that response from God to the people. Because you and I, in Christ, because you and I, because of the work of Christ, have been made clean, holy, and the righteousness of God. Because as Peter said, you and I join into the work of the priesthood of all believers. Guess what? In the same way that those priests would come and would respond to the people and begin to speak and declare the blessing of God to the people and over the people, you and I join in this same work. I believe there's a few things that we can learn about how we, how we put our students on our shoulders and for that matter, how we put everybody in our life and our world on our shoulders. How do we respond to people in a world that's broken? How do we respond to people in a world where sometimes we come in our shame and our guilt and we come in our condemnation and we say, I don't know if God's going to receive me or not. How do we respond? How do we bless? I believe God taught Moses, 
who taught Aaron, who taught the people. And it's been passed on to us from generation to generation. In fact, archaeology shows that in church history, as they, as they have done research and as they've looked, they have found this particular blessing on little writings. It's been passed from generation to generation to generation in the church. The church has said this blessing from generation to generation because it demonstrates God's heart towards us. There's a few things that I want you to see. Number one, I want you to see this. God is for your greatest good. What are you saying, Pastor Andy? What I'm saying is this. As a father, as a mother, as a grandfather, as an aunt or an uncle, when it comes to your children, when it comes to your children's children, if you want to be a blessing, if you want to bless what God taught Moses to teach Aaron, to teach the people, is to say this. Me, God, I am going to bless you and I'm going to keep you. What does that mean? It means this, I'm for your good. If you want to bless your children, bless them this way. God is for you and so am I. Do your children know that you have their best interest in mind? Do they believe that the choices and the decisions that you make is for their benefit, for their blessing, for their best interest? Or are they concerned that perhaps they're for yours? Parenting is hard. If you have any, listen, I have a recommendation for you. If you have any trouble with pride in your life, I recommend parenting to you. There's nothing that will humble you as much as parenting. It's difficult. It's challenging. Um, parenting is like holding up a mirror. It just reflects everything right back to you. You see yourself in ways that you've never seen yourself before. And when God spoke blessing to the people, he started by saying, listen, I will bless you and I will keep, you can trust me that I have the power to keep you. I'm working on your, for your good and on your behalf. You can trust me. If you want to bless your children, you want to know where to start, establish trust. Some of us struggle to bless our children because we're not living a life that garners trust. And we do things to violate trust. We create a culture of distrust in our home. We call it white lies. We say it's no big deal. Oh, it's no big deal. They know I'm joking. They know I don't mean it. What they know is that they can't trust you because you're a liar. And if, if you're a liar, I can't trust you. And if I, if I can't trust you, then how can I be confident that you can keep me? How do I know that you're going to keep my confidence? When you run around to the family and you tell them about this little private thing that I told you, and I was trusting that you would keep me, and yet you found it funny 
to tell my story to somebody in the family over Christmas? How do I know that you can keep me if I can't trust you? God, first, the way that we bless our children, the way that we put up on our shoulders is that we create a culture of trust in our home. We convince them that we can keep them because they can trust us. I'm for your greatest good. That's how I bless you. I let you know I'm for your greatest good. It's not about me. It's not for me. If my children are convinced that it's all about me, they'll never settle into a place of security and walk in the strength of their identity that they've been created in. I must create a culture of trust in my home. Secondly, I believe this blessing demonstrates to us, man, I hope we get this today. My affection is not dependent on your merit. The Lord bless you and keep you. Get this. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. What does that statement mean? And the Lord be gracious to you. It means that the Lord looks at me, the Father looks at me, and with grace, he accepts me as I am. And his his face, his affection, his face shining on me, his glory, his pride over me. It has nothing, it's not about my performance. His love for me is not attached to my performance. His affection isn't something that he's gonna withhold when I don't perform properly. His affection isn't going to be dependent upon my scores on my test. His affection for me isn't dependent on my sales record. His affection for me isn't dependent upon anything. His affection is toward me as an act of his grace. He's gracious toward me in my imperfection. He's gracious toward me. Remember I said parenting's like holding up a mirror. You can see yourself. Do you, all of this stuff is connected. I wish I could do such a better job teaching us. Remember, we're made in the image of God. When God sees you, he sees us. We can't help but smile when he sees you. He can't help but smile when he sees you. His face, his, do you not understand when scripture talks about his glory his glory is revealed in you. It's because you're a reflection of him. And when he sees you, he's acknowledging that. I wonder sometimes if we fail um, to bless our children, we fail to bless them because maybe we don't like the reflection that we see. May we still struggle with a reflection in the mirror. But God says, listen, my face is going to shine on you and I'm going to be gracious to you, and then get this. He says, "The Lord turn His face towards you and give you a, and give you peace." The last thing I want you to see here is, my attention releases stability in your life. You want to bless your children. You want to bless your children. You know what they need? They need your attention. They need your time. They need your energy. A better school is wonderful. Thank you for working so hard and paying the school fees. Thank you. Thank you for working so hard to buy the uniforms. 
and the shoes and the sports kit and the tackies. Thank you. But you know what your kids need? Your attention. They want, they need your gaze. They need you to look at them and really see them. They need you to turn your face toward them. What, Pastor Randy, I don't understand what this has to do with Peter, and I don't understand what it, well, here's what it has to do with. See, what, what Peter was teaching the church was, here's what Christ is going to do in you. Because, and Peter talked about it, you, you deal with sin, deal with, the junk, deal with all the junk in your life so that you can be like Christ and be a stone, so you can be solid, so that you can be a foundation. So that you're not all over the place. So that you're not struggling with your own insecurities and your own fear and your own brokenness and your own addiction. and your Deal with that stuff so that you can be like Christ and you can join in the priesthood. And here's what the priesthood does. The priesthood stands in the gap and does for others what they cannot do for themselves. The priesthood reflects the glory of God on the earth. And others don't have the ability to approach God for themselves. The priesthood casts strong shoulders, not shadows. The priesthood are people. Remember, the priests would go offer their sacrifice first. So their sin was dealt with. And it was only after that that they could then offer sacrifices on behalf of others. And only then when sacrifices were offered on behalf of others could they come back and speak blessing. Moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, friends, deal with your stuff. If you want to be a blessing, you want to speak a blessing, deal with your stuff so that you're secure enough and that you're strong enough that you can give your undivided attention. Verse 27 says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. The end result of this blessing is a secured identity. Our children, our children's children will have a secure identity when they know that the world is not all lost and it's not all falling apart, that God is for them. They'll be confident and sure and walk in confidence and faith and strength when they understand that God is for them. When affection is not tied to performance, but it's tied to love that extends beyond our performance. When attention is released in their life so they feel stable and strong and secure. God said, these are my people. I put my name on them. I bless them. And my blessing means that their identity is secure. The greatest blessing that you can give your kids or your kids' kids is a secured identity.